Psalm chapter number 20. Psalm chapter number 20. As you're turning there, this is somewhat of a national anthem psalm, and you could kind of picture and imagine the nation of Israel singing this psalm uh, just before maybe a war, uh, or maybe even after a war, uh, but, but something that would be very uh, patriotic and nationalistic, and yet honoring and glorifying to God at the same time uh, in this psalm. And I kind of imagine it uh, as, the, as a uh, perhaps the... the congregation would sing one part and then uh, the king or the leader or perhaps the captain of the host would sing uh, the other part and uh, and you will see that division as we go through this psalm but it, it's something that's very interesting and I've entitled it a a corporate prayer or a corporate psalm uh, and, and so uh, something that is to be done all together uh, psalm chapter number 20 and verse number one we find here the bible says the Lord hear thee in the day of trouble. The name of God, the name of the God of Jacob, defend thee. Send thee help from the sanctuary, and strengthen thee out of Zion. Remember all thy offerings, and accept thy burnt sacrifice, Selah. Grant thee according to thine own heart, and fulfill all thy counsel. We will rejoice in thy salvation. And in the name of our God, we will set up our banners. The Lord fulfill all thy, all thy petitions. Now know I that the Lord saveth his anointed. He will hear him from his holy heaven with the saving strength of his right hand. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. They are brought down and fallen, but we are risen and stand upright. Save, Lord, let the King hear us when we call. Let's pray. Father, we thank you just for your goodness to us. We thank you, Father, for your word as we look into it. And God, as we study to it, I, uh, study it, I pray, Father, that you would speak to hearts. God, I pray that you would give me clarity of speech and clarity of mind. And God, I pray that you would touch hearts as only you can. I pray, Father, that we would uh, understand and realize uh, the importance of this psalm. And Father, that, uh, that it would be encouraging and helpful to us. And Father, we'll certainly thank you for that. God, we ask all of these things in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. As we look at this psalm, uh, I want you to notice the first four verses there uh, are really what the, the congregation would, would say. Uh, and you'll notice that because it's kind of odd if you read it and try and make it personal. He says there in verse number one, The Lord hear thee in the day of trouble. The name of the God of Jacob defend thee, and then send thee help from the sanctuary, and strengthen then thee out of Zion. It's clearly as though the congregation or the nation of Israel would be declaring this to the king. Like, hey, you're about to go forth to battle, and so we're asking that the Lord would hear your prayers as you go into battle, because the nation would not go into battle. And uh, the soldiers would go in, uh, but, but it is a prayer uh, from that congregation to the, uh, the king and the armies or maybe the officers as they would go into battle. 
And um, the better part of David's reign in Israel uh, was very occupied by wars. And so it would be no surprise uh, that this would be a very nationalistic, uh, probably a well-known psalm, especially in the day of David, as there was many battles. And I want you to notice, uh, as we look at this, so verses 1 through 4 we'll find is a call for help. And, uh, and notice who they call upon. Um, notice that uh, they're not calling upon their strong men. They're not calling upon their king. They're not calling upon uh, their strength or their training, but their calling is upon God. And he says there in verse number one, the Lord hear thee in the day of trouble. Boy, it, it would do us well. And, uh, and I'm, I'm very patriotic. I love our country, but it would do our military well to call on God. And to have God help. And I'm not saying they don't. I don't know that they do. Uh, but, but man, that would be the optimal. I mean, the fact that, that, hey, our military leaders would call upon God in the day of trouble and the Jehovah God, not just any God, all right? Uh, we have to clarify that now because there's such a mess in, in America about who God is and where God is and all of that. Uh, but the nation of Israel is calling upon God. And listen, that is the best place to go. Uh, they're, they're praying that, hey, during the battle, that the soldiers and the, uh, those that would call upon God would be heard. That's what he says there in verse number one. The Lord hear thee in the day of trouble. Uh, notice there in verse number two, he says, send thee help from the sanctuary and strengthen thee out of Zion. That would be uh, God's holy hill. In other words, hey, that, that their help and that their strength and that their encouragement and their uh, guidance in battle would come from God. And that's their prayer. And uh, as they're praying for the king and as they're singing this psalm, not only that, but I want you to notice their reliance upon God there as they, the, who they're calling to. In verse number five, it says, the last part, the Lord fulfill all thy petitions. In other words, hey, it's God that's going to answer your prayers. It's God that's going to help you. And, and listen, that's not just good for them. That's all good for us as well. Uh, we ought to cry out to God. And, uh, and God ought to be the person that we ought to put our trust in. And, and he, they say that the Lord fulfill all thy, thy petitions. Listen, we ought to pray, practice, and prepare, but our trust and our faith and our confidence has to be placed in God. And so we see that, and they're, they're obviously uh, calling out to God. And I want you to notice, not only are they calling out and is their prayer made known unto God uh, as they're, they're singing this from the, uh, from the congregation to the king, uh, but I want you to notice as well, when are they calling out? Uh, he says they're in the day of trouble. And uh, listen, when, when trouble strikes, uh, I was thinking about this today, when trouble strikes, God ought to be on our speed dial. And hey, the first person that we call, the first person that comes to our mind shouldn't be 911, should be God. You know, you can cry out to God faster than you can dial 911. And I'm not saying don't dial 911, okay? Don't misinterpret what I'm saying. But I am saying our very first thought before we even find a phone is, hey, you don't even need a phone and you don't need a charge and you don't need uh, any of that to call out to God. And I think of, as I read that, I thought about, who did I think about but old Peter? 
walking on water. And, uh, and, and you see, he started to realize all the storms around him. And, and the Bible says that he started to sink. And what did he say? Lord, save me. It's three simple words. Hey, listen, when, when we get in trouble, there's nothing wrong with calling out to God. We ought to call out to God. Sometimes we, we get the idea that calling out to God is, is, is the bad thing when we're in trouble. No, it's not a bad thing. Uh, it, not, it should not be the only time that we call out to God. Uh, but, but certainly during those troublesome times, during those difficult times, is a, a great time to be able to call out to God. And listen, uh, when we do call out to God, I want you to notice this, we're thinking about a battle, we're thinking about uh, the soldier as he would go out to battle, and a troublesome time would come. What would that mean? That would mean that the battle is not going in his favor. That would mean that things are not going well. Perhaps he's about to be, uh, be killed or wounded in battle. And you know what? Soldiers are, are trained to be mentally tough. They're trained to be physically tough. They're trained to, as, Peter, uh, as Paul told uh, Timothy, to endure hardness. They're trained for that stuff. And listen, when they recognize, man, they, these things are too strong for me. And they're recognizing, hey, I'm weak, but God is strong. Hey, God's going to do great things. When we get done with ourselves, when we recognize, hey, that we don't have all of the answers, when we realize that we are not all of that, we're not Superman, we're not super, uh, we don't have any super abilities, and, and we recognize that, we recognize our weaknesses and acknowledge them and call upon God, hey, that's when help will come. And he says, in the day of trouble, and sometimes I think God puts us in over our head so that we will recognize, oh, you know what, I, I can't do all of that that I thought I could do. And, and to show us our weaknesses and show us our need to depend upon him. And so uh, he, they called upon him in the day of trouble. And, uh, and listen, why? Why did they call upon him? We'll look in verse number three. He says, uh, remember all thy offerings and accept thy burnt sacrifice, Selah. And, uh, and listen, the idea there is that they're telling the king, hey, that God would remember all the sacrifices that you've offered, that God would remember all the, uh, the worship that you have given to God. In other words, the idea there is that you're not just calling on God when a hard time strikes, but rather that you have a relationship established with God and that you would go into the temple on a regular basis. We're talking Old Testament here. We don't obviously have to offer sacrifices, but, but they would go into that, that temple. They would offer offer those sacrifices, and what it is is that they had an established relationship and worship with God. I don't know if you saw on Monday night, I uh, turned on the, the, the game, the football game, just to see for a moment. And of course, my heart goes out to anybody who suffers any kind of health ailment, uh, but, but as I was watching it, 
and, and here's all the, the, what happened was a football player collapsed on the field. They canceled the football game, NFL, if you didn't know, or maybe you don't watch football. And, and he just collapsed on the field, and he was actually ushered off and had a, a heart attack right there on the field, and they took him off, and he's still in critical condition. But as I watched, I didn't watch all of that unfold. I, I already missed all of that, and I came in the game suspended. I'm like, well, what's going on? And, and uh, kind of watching what's going on, and, and they started saying, well, our prayers go out to him. And I thought to myself, you bunch of heathens, drinking it up, don't bother to go to church one time, and, and, and something bad comes, and then all of a sudden your prayers are going out. And, and it just, and I'm not saying that everyone there was not saved. I, I, I don't know. There may have been saved people. I hope there were saved people there praying for him. I, I'm not saying anything like that. But I'm saying the world often says, well, our prayers go out to them. Hey, listen, if they don't have a relationship with God, it doesn't mean much. Hey, we that are saved, we have an established relationship with God. We can confidently go to God at any given time and pray to God because you know what? We know who God is. They don't. They don't know who God is. They don't have a relationship. They dial up God and he says, Sam who? The, the, he... And I'm kidding, of course, uh, but my one favorite passage is when the, the demons in the, um, in the book of Acts and, uh, and, and those guys uh, go and try and cast out the demons and, and they say, Paul we know and Peter we know, but what's your name again? We don't know who you are. You don't have any relationship with God. You don't have any, any power, any jurisdiction here. And, and listen, we as Christians, hey, we can go to God at any given time. We can call out to God because we have an established relationship. And what he's saying there in verse number four is uh, that, that God uh, would obviously know uh, because they, he would remember all their offerings that they gave. Their burnt sacrifices would be acceptable to God and they have an established relationship. Save your spot here. Go with me to Hebrews chapter number four. And I know I've touched on this verse before. It's such a great verse. Hebrews chapter four and verse number 15. Hebrews 4, 15. A lot of times I'll quote it and won't have you turn there, but I, I want you to see it. Hebrews chapter four and verse number 15. The Bible says this. Go back to verse number 14, Hebrews 4, 14. This is why I love this verse so much. Hebrews 4, 14, the Bible says, Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. In other words, he's saying, hey, because he's explaining to them that in the past they had a high priest. They had to go to the temple. They had to go to the high priest. And they had to offer sacrifices. But we, as New Testament, New Testament believers, have a high priest in Jesus Christ who took the old ultimate sacrifice all the way to God himself in his own blood that he shed on the cross of Calvary and established a relationship with us. And so he's telling us that in verse number 14, seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold fast our profession. 
Verse 15, For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. And so he's establishing the fact that, hey, Jesus Christ can relate to us because he was tempted in all points like we were, but he did not sin. He, was the, he is the perfect son of God and sacrifice. Go on to verse number 16. Therefore, he says, let us therefore, because we have a high priest in Jesus Christ who understands us, he says, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and, and find grace to help in the time of need. Verse number 16 is our invite to go to the throne of God at any given moment in our life because we have an established relationship through Jesus Christ who shed his precious blood on the cross of Calvary, offered the perfect sacrifice so that you and I can be born again. And listen, we can go to the throne of grace to obtain help, grace, the Bible says, in the time of need. Boy, what a great verse for a New Testament believer that says, you know what? I have access to the throne. Could you imagine? We joke around sometimes in our family, and we're driving down a road, and we, we used to do this in Peru, and, and the roads would be rough and bumpy, and, and, uh, and, and we'd say, well, didn't, didn't you call the mayor and tell him we were coming to town and make sure the roads are nice and smooth? We don't have any clout with any mayor, so uh, it's a joke, obviously. And, and, and listen, uh, the idea is, hey, why don't you call up the White House and get this situated? Hey, why don't you call up the mayor and get this situated? And, and we don't have any connections with people here on this earth, but I tell you what, we have a greater connection than you could imagine here on this earth because we go direct to heaven. And we can make connection to the eternal God that sits in the throne. Hey, and he gives us an open door invite to his throne room when we need help. What a wonderful verse. He's saying back in Psalms chapter number 20, in verse number 5, he says, hey, you've established a relationship. Why can you call on him? Because you worship him. You know who he is. You have an established relationship with him. Look at verse number 4. He says, grant thee according to thine own heart and fulfill thy counsel. In other words, hey, that you have a right heart and attitude towards God and with God that, uh, in other words, hey, that he can fulfill your requests and, uh, and he, can, he can certainly oblige your prayers. And so we see the call for help as we look at those first couple of verses and how they're expressed there as the congregation would say, hey, I, I hope that it's heard. I hope that it, it's mentioned and, and brought out in all of that. Now, I want you to notice in verse number five down through seven, we have the confidence assured. Now, this is awesome because the first part is, is like the, the, maybe the soldiers talking to the king or the congregation talking to the soldiers or, or whatever it might be. But you get the picture of, of a group of people that are saying, hey, uh, I hope that God hears your prayers in the day of trouble, in the battle, and, and that, that because of your relationship that, hey, you've got a direct line to God and that all will go good. And in verse five, down through seven, we have the confidence assured from the king 
or from the, the captain, perhaps, or whoever it may be that is responding to these group of people that are making this call. And so you have the confidence assured. And I want you to notice this in verse number five. He says this, we, I want you to notice it's a personal pronoun. He's saying, hey, we, in other words, those that are going into battle, he says, we will rejoice in thy salvation. And in the name of our God, we will set up our banners. The Lord fulfill all thy petitions. Now, I, now know I that the Lord saveth his anointed. He will hear from him from his holy heaven with the saving strength of his right hand. And, and basically, you we'll go to verse 7, we'll read it since I read that much. Uh, some trust in chariots and some in horses. I love this. But we will remember the name of the Lord our God. And you see the confidence that he's exuding. You see the confidence that he's explaining. And he's saying, hey, that, that we have a great confidence in God. I want you to notice this in verse number 5. He says, we will rejoice. And he's witnessing and he's saying, hey, we have confidence in God, and it's going to cause us to rejoice. What soldier, we'll take it even, even uh, well, what soldier, let's just still, we'll stick with the Bible illustration that he's using. What soldier stands before battle and says, this is ours, we're going to win it, and rejoices in the victory before the battle takes place? Not many. Because usually, I mean, man, you're standing there and you're thinking, man, am I, am I, am I coming home? Is probably your thought. I mean, we're not talking about, uh, uh, you know, we're not talking about laser tag. We're talking about life and death. We're talking about a battle. We're talking about putting your life on the line. And, and here they are in verse number five. He says this, we will rejoice in thy salvation. In other words, hey, we know we're coming back. We know that there's going to be victory. We know that God is on our side and that we're fighting on God's side uh, and we're fighting in the name of the Lord. And, and so he said, hey, we will rejoice in thy salvation. In other words, we know victory is ours. And he goes on, not only uh, can we see the rejoicing that was there, and by the way, the Christian life is not to be a defeated life. Think about this. 1 Corinthians 15 is a great chapter of victory. And it says this in 1 Corinthians 15, So when this corruptible, that would be our body, our flesh, shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall we be brought to pass, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. It goes on a couple of verses later and it says in verse 57, But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Hey, listen, we have victory through Jesus Christ. And listen, we can, we can stand confidently and say, Hey, come what may in this world, we know at the end of the day, we win. We have salvation. We're going to heaven. Um, I, I don't know if you ever heard the, I forget who it was that gave the illustration, but the old illustration that, uh, that some thief come in and wanted to take something and had a gun and pointed at the person and, and the person said, you can't threaten me with heaven. 
And that old, that old person, uh, you know, turned around, didn't know what to do, you know, and turned around and left. And, and the truth of the matter is, hey, at the end of the day, we're all going to heaven. If we're saved and we're born again and we know that we have victory. And uh, notice this, not only the rejoicing that they're already starting, but they know that the salvation is coming from God. Look at what he says there in verse number five. And in the name of our God, we, we will set up our banners. The Lord fulfill all thy petitions. I thought about that. And army camps would raise up their flags. And they would, they would fly them high. They would be proud of who they were serving. That was the way of identifying. Well, this was this company, and that was this company, and, and you know that they were with your country or, or whatnot, and, and so they would have those banners, they would have those flags, and they would raise them proudly. Listen, we don't need any undercover Christians. Hey, we don't. We need Christians that are that are willing to raise their flags, raise their banners, and say, "Hey, I am a Christian. This is the side that I am on." It seems like we live in a world that wants to mix all the lines. You don't. It goes even a step further. They want to mix all the genders too. And I'm telling you, it it started a long time ago. This is not new. This is not something that popped up in 2022 or 2020 or, or even 2000. This has been going on for years where they have been starting to mix genders and make men look like women and women look like men. This has been going on for a long time. Matter of fact, the Bible talks about it in Corinthians. It says, doth not even nature itself teach that it is a shame for a man to have long hair? It's something that's been going on. God established all of that a long time ago. And what I'm saying is, listen, we ought to be proud of who we are. We ought to fly our flags and, and say, hey, we are living for God. We ought to have our banner set up and say, this is the camp and this is the army that I am with. And not be ashamed of Christ. Not be ashamed of being a Christian. Because he says there, hey, that we're not going to be, that, that we will set up our banners and the Lord fulfill thy petitions. We ought not be ashamed of whose side we are on. We're talking about the confidence is being assured and, and they're clearly stating that. Look at the word of their confidence in verse number six. Now know I that the Lord saveth his anointed. He will hear him from his holy heaven with the saving strength of his right hand. It's, of course, a prophetic psalm right there in reference to the Savior, uh, saying that now know I that the Lord saveth his anointed. And Jesus is the anointed of God. Uh, and certainly in Bible times as well, the king would be anointed of God. And so they're saying it's kind of a dual, dual, dual interpretation, dual passage there, one pointing to Jesus Christ, obviously, but then also to the king that, hey, we know that God is going to save our king. And take care of our leader. And, uh, and, and this is from the leadership saying, hey, uh, we know that God is going to take care of us. God is going to save us. Uh, and listen, he says there as well that God saves us, that God listens to us and hears our prayers. And, uh, and so this is the confidence that the, they're repeating back to those people as they are crying out for them. And, and it's kind of a back and forth. Verse number seven. 
the who of their confidence. I love this. Verse 7 says, Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. Listen, their, their confidence is not placed in the horses and the chariots that they had. And undoubtedly, they had some. Undoubtedly, they, would, uh, they did not go to, go to war without their swords and without their shields and without their horses and without their chariots uh, unless God directed them to, which he did on occasion. But, uh, but they would go prepared for the battle. They would go ready. They would spend time training. Uh, they would spend time preparing their swords and preparing their, uh, their horses and preparing for battle. The Bible says it this way in Proverbs chapter 21 and verse 31, the horse is prepared against the day of battle, but safety is of the Lord. What a great, the, the Bible has balance that we ought to be prepared, but our faith is not to be placed in the chariots the horses, the shields, and the swords, but in God. And so we ought to be prepared. In modern day terms, I don't think any of us have a sword. I do not have a sword in my house. kind of wish I do. That would kind of be cool. I don't have a sword. Maybe you do. And, uh, but I don't have a sword. And I don't have a horse. And I don't have a chariot, to be honest with you. And, and, and honestly, uh, how can we put that so that it fits us today? You know what the biggest thing that we trust in today? Money. Most of our battles, most of our, our, our things that we fight are financial battles, to be honest with you. And, and listen, obviously, the Bible is teaching, hey, there's nothing wrong with being prepared. But our faith and our trust is not to be placed in that finances. We ought to prepare. There's nothing wrong with being prepared. There's nothing wrong with having things set aside. I believe that the Bible teaches that you ought to have some things set aside. I believe you ought to be prepared. But listen, our faith is not to be placed in our bank account. Our faith is not to be placed in, in the gold that we have stashed in our backyard in a, a tin can. Oh, I'm going to have to move it now. I don't have any gold in my backyard in a tin can. Our faith is not to be placed in that. Our faith is to be placed in God. It's all throughout Scripture. And, and their confidence, they were saying, this is from the authority. This is from the king. This is from uh, those who they were saying, hey, we hope that God hears your prayers. We know that you have an established relationship. And the king echoes back, hey, my confidence is not placed in the horses and the chariots that we have around us, but my faith is placed in God. Boy, what an encouragement for those people. To hear that echoed back that their king, their leader, was trusting in God. Look at verse number 8. And we have the win of their confidence. They, being the enemy, are brought down and fallen. But we are risen and stand upright. Look at this closing in verse number 9. And it says, save, Lord. Let the king hear us. When we call, I kind of imagine if the first four verses were given by the congregation and uh, five through seven were given by uh, Ray or given by the uh, uh, the leader or the king or whoever it may be that's in charge of the company. And and verse number nine, I kind of think they would all say together in a closing, save Lord, let the king hear us when we call. And I thought, boy, that's more than just a single fold. It's not just talking about the earthly king, but the heavenly king as well. 
that God will hear us when we call. What a blessing to know as a Christian that, hey, we can call upon God. We have a corporate prayer. That would be a whole group of people, a corporate psalm, maybe we could say, and, and, uh, and, and they would sing one part, and then uh, the leader would sing a second part, and then maybe they'd close all together with verse number nine, Save, Lord, let the King hear us when we call. What a blessing to know that Israel, where they how they provide such a great example in many parts, not always, but in many parts of how we are to live our life and how we can call upon God and how we can always go to Him at any given moment and He'll hear our prayer. With every head bowed and every eye closed as we stand to our feet, we see the corporate prayer. We see the call for help. We see the confidence as assured as they echo back in verses 5 through 8. And then we see that closing as they close out, Save, Lord. Let the King hear us when we call. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you that we can come to you at any given time, at any given moment. And God, we can go to you in prayer faster than we could even dial 911. And God, know that you can hear our prayer and answer even faster than anyone could respond to our telephone call. And God, we thank you that we have that kind of trust and we can have that kind of faith in you because, God, you've been around since the beginning of time. And there is plenty of examples of times where, God, you have provided, you have taken care of your servants. Father, thank you for all of those examples. I pray, God, that our faith would grow, and God, that our faith would increase, and we would trust you more and more each day. And God, that we could boast of the great confidence we have in you, not in a prideful way, but in a way that would glorify you and say, look how wonderful God is and how good God is to take care of us. God, I pray that you'd bless each and every person. I pray that they'd be encouraged, strengthened tonight. We'll thank you for that. In Jesus' precious name, I pray. Amen. As we have a